You will watch this. Let no joyful noise be heard. Let no man look up at the sky with hope. And let this day be cursed by we who ready to wake the Kraken! In today's episode, we'll discuss staking, a way many cryptocurrencies verify their transactions, and how the SEC is cracking down on crypto exchanges offering staking as a service to its customers. See what I did there? Welcome to GapChat, the podcast dedicated to all things accounting, brought to you by Gap Dynamics. I'm your host, Mike Walworth, and Chris is on PTO, so I'm on with my other faithful partner, Bob Laffler. We hope you'll join us on our journey today as we share our passion for accounting and help change the way you train. Hey, Mike, that was a nice homage to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, that was uh, Davy Jones, I believe. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, couldn't resist. And uh, why exactly are we doing Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> well, because I'm an idiot. And uh, also because of this news story. On February 9th, Kraken, one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world, closed its staking program in a $30 million settlement with the SEC which said the company failed to register the offer and sale of its crypto staking as a service program. Ah, so release the Kraken. I think I get it. Yeah, I guess you can say Kraken was released from a source of income. Boom. <laughs> Not to mention an extra $30 million. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, for our listeners, Chris is on vacation this week. So I'm joined today by Bob Laffler, one of the owners of Gap Dynamics. Thanks for filling in. As our resident expert on all things investment management, I'm really, really glad you're here. Happy to do it, Mike. I understand I have some really big shoes to fill. <laughs> Not really. Uh, maybe only size nine. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. Look at that. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Anyway, uh, before we get into the SEC case against Kraken and its crackdown on staking as a service, perhaps we should provide listeners with a, just a bit of background on staking. You know, what is it? That's probably a good idea because uh, unless you're really into this industry, you probably don't know much about what we're talking about at this point. Yeah. So so let's start it off. Bob, what is staking? All right. So staking cryptocurrencies is basically the process that involves committing crypto assets to support a blockchain network and, and basically confirm transactions on that blockchain. Um, it's available only on networks like Ethereum that operate using what's called a proof of stake protocol. Bitcoins run on a proof-of-work protocol to confirm their transactions. Well, okay, so you had me at hello, but lost me a bit there. So can you can you explain it you for want those me in to... the back? I want yeah, you to dumb so, it down for me. Well, I, I could dumb it down for you, but Coinbase actually does a really good job explaining. They've got a, a, a web page that basically is titled, What is Staking? And mm -hmm. what I can do is try to summarize what they got there. To, to maybe make it a little bit easier. And we'll, we'll put the link in the podcast notes so people can, can read the article themselves. But you know, it can be as simple or as complex as, as you want to take it. And really what I, what I like about the article, it starts out by keeping it really high level and basically just says that staking is a way of earning rewards while holding on to your cryptocurrencies. So essentially what you're doing is you're trying to um, get a little extra added benefit when you're just investing in cryptocurrencies in, in the first place. Um, so 
the way it kind of works is, you know, we all know that cryptocurrencies are are a decentralized type of product, right? We don't have banks or credit card companies that process transactions. It's all done on the blockchain. But because it's decentralized, we need to, you know, have some kind of consensus mechanism that takes place in order to make sure that transactions are are legitimate. So that's kind of where this idea of of staking and things like that comes. So I guess, you know, there's different types, like I said, of consensus mechanisms. And I said earlier, there's kind of this idea of proof of of work, Mm -hmm. and then there's proof of stake. So uh, are you going to talk about, let's let's do this. Let's talk about proof of work first, because I think that's what people think about when they think about Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin, I think, uses proof of work. So, and this, I think, isn't this where we were talking about miners, you know, not in West Virginia, you know, that kind of thing, but, and these huge computer farms and BFE sucking up all this energy. I mean, so let's do proof of work first. Yeah. So proof of work is kind of that traditional mechanism we think of where you're basically solving these very complicated mathematical calculations and you need the big computers that are running, you know, 24 seven, generating lots of energy. And, and as a result, you're able to validate transactions by solving these, these difficult mathematical equations. So you got people around the world basically, you know, vying to be the, the winner of solving this, this equation to be able to validate the transaction, put it on the blockchain. And of course, when they do that, they earn a little reward for their hard work, which is essentially um, paid in the form of, of additional cryptocurrency. So that's kind of the traditional way we think of it. And, uh, you know, that's, getting the uh, the solving the the algorithm. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't too long ago and, I, and so that like you said that was blockchain and then there was like an Ethereum 1.0 that was actually, you know, using this proof of work model. And then I read that Ethereum sort of changed and they went to this proof of stake which supposedly was, you know, a bit more economical and 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 environmentally friendly. So, can you talk about proof of stake? Sure. And proof of stake was necessary because that second stage of Ethereum got much more complicated, right? Mm. If you look at Bitcoin's blockchain, it's it's relatively simple and straightforward. If you were to try to solve the equations on some of these uh, newer blockchains, it would actually require more energy and more effort because of the complexity of, of the blockchain. So proof of stake came around, which was kind of a, another way of getting consensus. And it ends up being faster and more efficient and certainly less costly. And basically what it is, is it's a way that you, you can get consensus through people setting, standing by and, and basically um, you know providing support or backing up a particular transaction. It's essentially vouching for a transaction on the blockchain. So that's kind of the idea behind proof of stake. Now, the way that they do that is through essentially on a project by project basis, what you're going to do is you're going to get people to vote their tokens, right? You're going to get people to kind of stand up and say, I'm vouching for this transaction with the idea being, if you're willing to put your own coins at risk to, to validate a transaction, then that in addition to some mathematical calculations and formulas and and knowing the blockchain and having that expertise you're able to validate the transaction i i kind of equate it to you know in a, in our legal system where you almost have the bail system right mm. where if if you want to you know let someone release them from jail prior to their trial you got to put some money up right you got to make sure that that this person's not going to cut off and run and essentially, that's what proof of stake is. It's saying, look, I'm willing to put up the money here to say that this is a legitimate transaction. I'll put my cryptocurrencies on the line. There's a little bit of validation in that regards while we do some of the validity. 
And then once the transaction is proven to be true, well, then the uh, the crypto coins that were put up as a stake, you know, the the, the bond is basically returned to the, the owners. And of course, they get a nice little fee with that as well. Once again, usually in the form of cryptocurrency. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. So, you know, I, I did some research before this podcast, like Ethereum, an Ethereum, you know, coin, Ether coin, and actually Ethereum is the network and Ether is the coin. But a, yeah. an Ether coin is currently trading, let's say around 1500 bucks, right? Now, Help me out here. You can buy less than one coin of this stuff, right? You can buy like fractions. Fractional. Yep. Fractional okay. ownership. Okay. So let's say I own 20% of one Ether coin. So 20% of 1500 what is that? Uh, it's like 300 bucks. So I own 300 bucks of an, a fractional percentage, 20% of an Ether coin. How is that going to assist in this validation of this Ether blo- Ethereum blockchain? I mean, my ownership is too damn small. I mean, how does it work? Well, exactly. And that's and that's where some of these kind of, you know, cryptocurrency, you know, brokerages come into play. They they individual investors might not have enough to really put up to make any difference in a, in a staking validation. But when we gather all these different investors and they all put up their little measly shares of, of coins and you put them together and aggregate them, well, then all of a sudden you have enough to, to do this. So what you're seeing is companies like Coinbase's, some companies like Kraken, for instance, what they were doing was they were taking all their clients' coins and saying, hey, if you want to do this, we will get you involved in staking. We'll, we'll bring them all together. We have the knowledge. We have the expertise. We have the technology to be able to do these staking validations. We'll just use your coins to be able to put them up. So as a result, you know, the the broker gets their fee, right? The the cryptocurrency company certainly is going to get a, a piece of that action for doing staking services and they'll pass a fee on to the the individual investors who are putting up their fractional shares or whatever they're putting up. Yeah, because I mean I guess theoretically anyone can be a validator, but it's there's a lot of sort of back office stuff. I mean you still have to have pretty good computer sure. systems. You gotta have all the legal stuff in place. And so it, it just isn't viable for a small bit investor like me to do it. Well, of- of course not, because if you think about it, what you're doing is you're putting up your investment on behalf of someone else's transaction. You're going to want to make sure you're you're taking on some risk there, right? You're you're taking on the risk that this is actually a legitimate transaction. Um, so not only are you 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 know putting up your coins, but you're going to do your own due diligence, your own work to prove that that is a viable and, and valid transaction. And that's where these you know these companies come into play they do have the expertise that can can do that they just want the the backing of the coins to kind of put up as collateral so so staking is a service help me help me with that so basically the, the like a coinbase or kraken they're sort of collecting my little 20% of an ether coin your you know 2.2 ether coins chris's you know 500 ether coins or whatever kind of collecting them all together and sort of putting all of those up as as a stake. So so what do you what do you, what can you tell me more about about staking as a service as as these companies are describing it? Yeah. So basically what they're going to do is they're going to provide the the service of collecting all these different investors coins. To, I mean the, the idea here is you're a long-term crypto investor, right? This is not for for short-term owners because while you're putting them up as a stake you can't sell them, right? They mm. are basically, you know, held and and uh, can't be used for anything else until the, the the process is over. But the idea is, if you're a long term investor, what you're able to do is put up these coins to be used for staking, and then over time you get yourself you get a return for being able to do that. So not only are you continuing to to invest in cryptocurrency. 
but now you're getting this added benefit of uh, a return, which in some cases could be 25, 35% return from, from these staking services. Mm. So you looked it up a little bit. How, how does Coinbase describe it? I think we, we have that. So like, cause it's, it seems all so rosy when, you know, these guys are describing it. So, so why don't you read what sort of Coinbase, I know you did some research here. Well, here's how Coinbase describes it. But for a vast majority of participants, there's a simpler way to participate. Via an exchange like Coinbase, you can contribute any amount you wish without needing to purchase or operate expensive validator hardware. Staking is available to most Coinbase customers in the U.S. and many other countries. Well, I can tell you, Bob, it won't be available to U.S. customers much longer. More on that in a moment. Uh, Bob, I seem to recall, I think, you know, Bob, as I mentioned, he's our resident IM investment management guru. And Bob, every year, Bob puts together uh, our annual IM update in both U.S. GAAP and IFRS. Uh, and, you know, shameless plug here, if you want the IM update in either U.S. GAAP or IFRS, it is on the Revolution, our online learning platform. I'll put a link to these courses in the notes to the podcast. But, but Bob, in this last year's e-learning uh, course, uh, IM update, I seem to recall a case study dealing with staking and staking as a service. Can you maybe provide us a bit of a summary of that case? PCAOB inspections and the associated inspection reports can bring stress to audit engagement teams everywhere. If you want to improve your team's audit quality and reduce the number of potential deficiencies in your reports, Gap Dynamics can help. Join us for our upcoming webinar, Improving Audit Quality, on Tuesday, April 25th, 2023, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's free to register, and you'll hear directly from PCAOB inspectors about risk assessment, internal controls, supervision, and review. And the best part, you can receive up to one and a half hours of CPE credit. Register now at gapdynamics.com. That's gap with two A's, dynamics.com, or simply click the link in the description. Hope to see you there. Yeah, sure. I mean, first of all, when it comes to cryptocurrencies, the one thing we've seen over the past several years is is investment companies, funds are kind of the leaders, right? These these are the ones that are most commonly investing in cryptocurrencies. Obviously, we're starting to see other operating companies do it as well, financial services companies and so forth, but but really there's a lot of funds that have said, "Hey, I'm I'm willing to put a percentage of my my portfolio into cryptocurrency." So, we've seen a lot of issues related to cryptocurrency in the the funds industry and and one of the more recent examples we had was dealing with investment funds that are using their cryptocurrency for staking right they're putting their their currency up their long-term investors and and they're putting up the staking and and really the issue that was addressed was when you are receiving income from staking services does this impact your qualification as an investment company under ASC 946. Yeah, so so just to kind of back up for those that don't know, I mean, if you are deemed an investment company under ASC 946, then that means you have special accounting, right? Things like all your investments are at fair value through the P&L, no consolidation, special reporting, et cetera, et cetera. So if this special accounting, you know, how does the staking impact, could, how could this staking impact that qualification as an investment company? Well, that's that's where the, the heart of the issue is, Mike. So basically, in order to be an investment company, have all these special requirements, everything at fair value consolidation, like you said, 
you need to essentially be a passive investor, right? You essentially are holding your investments for the purpose of capital appreciation, investment income, or both. That's essentially all you're doing, right? You're taking people's money, you're providing professional management services, and you're putting it to work and you're just sitting back and and watching the returns come in. When you start getting involved in other activities where you're actively kind of doing other things to generate income, it could call into question whether or not you're really acting more like an operating company and no longer a fund who's just involved in passive investing. And you know this idea where you're getting involved in staking and earning fees from these extra activities, that's where it starts to, to create a little bit of a, a gray area with, with qualification as an investment company. Yeah. So this class discussion, you know, usually our, our class discussions, we sort of tee it up and then we sort of ask the class kind of what they think. So so what was the answer? What was the final conclusion in your case study? Well, the final conclusion, like so many of our class discussions, is it depends. Why do people why do people hire us? <laughs> why do people hire us then? No, I mean I'm sure we talked about it. so so what 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 is going on here? Well, it's in the nuance of 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 the situation. First of all, the issue was discussed by the AICP expert panel for investment companies. They're they're a, an active group that basically involves some of the leaders in accounting and and actual um, audit that are involved in this industry, and they they deal with these questions quite a bit. And and their discussion on this topic was, you know, not surprisingly. Yeah, we've we've got a bit of an issue here. You're doing things that are not in the normal range of investment companies. However, we've seen other activities in the past that do this as well. And namely, what they mentioned was security lending activities, right? It's not uncommon for a fund to have long-term investments in securities and basically say, well, while I'm holding these investments for a long period of time, why don't I get involved in lending out my securities. If there's another investor out there that wants to sell a a security short or something like that, sure, borrow my securities. It allows them to get a little extra return from their investments. The issue, of course, here was that, you know, securities lending, there's usually a relatively small margin, a small fee that you're earning from, from that particular activity. As I mentioned earlier, when it comes to staking, there's a lot of risk involved in, in staking, and therefore the return, the fee, is is a bit higher than what we're used to saying. And that was really where the expert panel came in. They said, look, from our understanding, some of these staking fees can be quite significant, and therefore the extent at which you're involved in that activity really can generate a substantial source of income that could throw you out of this definition of an investment company. So basically, when and this is kind of when this issue, is it an investment company? Is it not an investment company? You know, ASC 946 has these fundamental characteristics and then these typical characteristics. All the fundamental characteristics need to be met. If you bomb out on one of them, you're out. But, you know, at the end of the day, it probably is judgment, right? And like you said, for this, these other types of quote unquote operating activities, if it's if it's kind of just a little bit here and there, I think what the experts panel is saying, right, is that's probably okay. You're probably still an investment company. But if it's significant and you earn significant fees and it's a significant portion of your operation, then you're more like an operating company. So really, I mean, I guess the AICPA expert panel, they punted, but they, you know, they don't really have all the facts. They're sort of just talking. And that's what we do in our class discussions, too, just sort of talk about it. But at the end of the day, it's auditor judgment and, and management judgment, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, every case is going to be different and it really comes down to how significant is that particular fund. So, you know, they, they, they had other issues they brought over the years, you know, where you do lending and you get origination fees. When, when you do mining of cryptocurrency, we talked that one a few years ago and how the extent of mining could, could potentially throw off this, this definition. So when actually you think about the mining, well, that's interesting, Bob. I, I didn't even, I, it just, I was this many days old when I realized that that class discussion two years ago or three years ago dealing with mining, that was just the proof of work validation. Right. This is now staking. It's the proof of, of uh, whatever, what are we calling it? Proof of what? Proof of stake. Proof of stake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a damn, that's the whole uh, topic of the podcast. Yeah. So, so I guess my point is all of this stuff could call into question. Uh, and it is interesting. I, you know, one of the things you mentioned is the AICPA expert panel kind of likened it to securities lending because actually that is essentially what the SEC is alleging in their charges against Kraken. And so in their press release on February 9th, here's what the SEC said. The Securities and Exchange Commission today charged Payward Ventures and Payward Trading, both commonly known as Kraken, with failing to register the offer and sale of their crypto asset staking as a service program, whereby investors transfer crypto assets to Kraken for staking in exchange for advertised annual investment returns as much as 21%. So there you had said 25, 35. Yeah, that's a big return. It seems seems too good that's to be true. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, to settle the SEC charges, the two Kraken entities agreed to immediately cease offering or selling securities through crypto asset staking services or staking programs and pay a $30 million fine or disgorgement, prejudgment interest, and civil penalties. SEC Chair Gary Gensler said, whether it's through staking as a service, lending, or other means, crypto intermediaries, when offering investment contracts in exchange for investors' tokens, need to provide the proper disclosures and safeguards required by our securities laws. Today's action should make clear to the marketplace that staking as a service providers must register and provide full, fair, and truthful disclosure and investor protection. So, so the SEC is basically saying that these contracts are securities and therefore they should be registered with the SEC and they must follow basically all SEC rules and regulations. Yeah, you got it. I think the SEC doesn't want to see another FTX and therefore they've decided to rein in the industry come hell or high water. In the same press release, Gerber Grewal, I probably screwed up his name, but he's the director of the SEC's Division of Enforcement. Here's what he said. In case after case, we've seen the consequences when individuals and businesses tout and offer crypto investments outside of the protections provided by the federal securities laws. Investors lack the disclosure they deserve and are harmed when they don't receive them. Today, we take another step in protecting retail investors by shutting down this unregistered crypto staking program through which Kraken not only offered its investors outsized returns, untethered to any economic realities, but also retained the right to pay them no returns at all. All the while, it provided them with zero insight into, among other things, its financial condition and whether it even had the means of paying the marketed returns in the first place. That's pretty damning. Um, Kraken can't be the only company doing this, though, right? I mean, there's there's plenty of people that have been involved in staking. Well, you're absolutely right, Bob. They are all doing it. A Wall Street Journal article from last week stated that Coinbase, so Kraken is like, was I think it was like, is the number three kind of crypto exchange. 
Coinbase is number two. So in this Wall Street Journal article, uh, it says Coinbase helps users put their crypto up for staking with a network taking a commission from between 25 and 35 percent on any interest that the users might earn. That revenue stream is particularly important for the exchanges when crypto prices and trading volume are falling. Too bad, because it looks like the SEC is putting the old kibosh on staking as a service for these companies, huh? Well, maybe, but first of all, only in the U.S. The SEC's tentacles don't stretch kind of beyond our borders unless, of course, the entity is listed in the U.S. And and by the way, Coinbase is. Uh, Coinbase is listed as a NASDAQ company. But they're not going down without a fight. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong has pledged to fight if the SEC goes after Coinbase staking, while the largest crypto exchange in the world, Binance, has said it is monitoring the situation. I think when dealing with the SEC, the more measured approach taken by Binance is probably the right call. Agreed. But let me tell you, this crypto bro, bro Brian has some balls, okay? He, he, I guess having, you know, he's, what is he, uh, I looked him up. He's on the Forbes. I think he's like 380 something on the Forbes, richest people, uh, and worth about $2.4 billion. So that kind of gives you some cojones, I guess. But anyway, he said, and I quote, our staking product is not a security. Customers never turn their assets to Coinbase, for instance, and we really are just providing a service that passes through coins to help them participate in staking, which is a decentralized protocol. Armstrong has disagreed with Chairman Gensler in the past, and according to a recent Bloomberg article, the company said recently that it may not remove a particular crypto asset, even if the SEC alleges that it is a security, and basically they want to take it to the courts. I wonder how it's going to uh, work out for them. Well, that Bloomberg article also said that Coinbase has received investigative subpoenas from the SEC about not only staking, but also stablecoin and its yield generating products. And Coinbase posted a $557 million loss last quarter and saw its revenue tumble 75% as obviously trading volumes plunged amid a series of prominent industry bankruptcies and scandals. Its shares traded at more than $400 when the company was first listed on the NASDAQ in April 2021, but today the stock is just north of $60 per share. Wow. Nice move, uh, crypto bro. (laughs) Picking a fight with the SEC, that's uh, probably not the way to go, or though maybe in his view, it's uh, kind of like... uh, what Charlie Sheen calls uh, winning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he won't be on the Forbes list for too much longer, huh? Yeah, I don't know. So we'll uh, we'll have to see. We'll pick it up in a new podcast. But Bob, I want to thank you for for joining me today. Uh, hopefully, you won't. Uh, you'll be back. Uh, did you enjoy? It was it? my pleasure. Yes, easy. Happy yeah. to do it. Awesome. But uh, you know, I don't want to take all the the fun away from Chris. So I'm sure he'll be excited to be back again soon. Well, I'm actually going on on holiday next week. I'm taking my daughter uh, out your way, uh, California, for her spring break. She's in college, and so uh, you will be. You got another week of I get it. Get to be. I get to be Davy Jones next week, and and get to. Uh... To do the acting, fantastic. Why well, don't I don't know that we're going to talk about Kraken next week, so you're going to have to find uh, some I'll other. Come act. up with something new, though. All right, <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome. or we can get Chris to act. There you go. All right, I'll take us out. That's all for this episode of Gap Chats, your source for all things accounting. Notes and resources from today's episode are linked in the description. And as always, you can find us online at GapDynamics.com and at GapDynamics across social media. It's never too late to become a Gapologist. Head over to our website and subscribe to our blog so that you're the first to know what's new with Gap Dynamics. 